Hi, this is Mike Onesco. Welcome to Renegade Rock here on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network. Every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're bringing all the great interviews and music to you. The first Saturday of every month, we have interviews, and we're starting off 2024 with a very, very cool local Cleveland boy, great artist. Red, he would played with Red 37, Nelson, Slamming Gladys, The Toys, guitarist, singer, J.J. Ferris. Welcome to Renegade Rock, J.J. Thank you so much, Mr. Mike Bonesco. How are you doing today? Great. I'm, I'm reeling after the Browns win, man. I know. We had a, we had a house full last night, and, you know, <laughs> uh, two, two, times, two times in 21 years in the playoffs, I think we have room to celebrate over here. I know. And it's funny. I lived in San Francisco, and I got to go to five Super Bowl parades, so it was always bittersweet. Because the Browns never, you know, made it. So, yeah, man, being a you know being a Cleveland sports fan is a rough, rough road, man. But it's it wonderful sure is. So, JJ, we started off the show with Dragon Eye Girl" from your last Slam and Gladys release. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration for that song and and how it came about, and you know, maybe a little about the session. Yeah, cool. So, um, we. Um, we started having the idea to do a second album for Slam and Gladys. Our first one was released in the in the '90s, and um, we had a great run then. And we had the idea to to kind of get the second one going. So I guess was that I was in done town. in L.A. when you were in L.A.? Yeah, we did the we did the album um, pretty much um, in in L.A. I would think. Yeah, we did most of it there. Um, we Dave and I uh, we that that particular song Dave had come over. I was in town for a family reunion. Actually, it was in August time. I came in every year to Cleveland for a family reunion. Tell everybody and, uh, you're Dave, a, you're a, you're a Cleveland native, right? Yeah, Cleveland native. Lived in Los Angeles for Fantastic. like lived in Los Angeles forever, and I'm Cleveland native. So I come back every year. My parents are still here at the house I grew up in, so it's awesome. So we came back, and Dave come over, and we go, dude, let's write some, let's see if we can come up with some ideas. You know, the idea. So we. We sat in my dad's den and we came up with Dragon Eye Girl. That's um, a great tune. We played here on Renegade Rock all the time. Oh, thanks so much, Mike. Um, we yes, we had come up with that idea and it just kind of came together fairly quickly. So that was like, who is the Dragon Eye Girl? Who is who is the Dragon Eye Girl? You know, uh, use your imagination, Mike. I mean, it could be any, <laughs> it, it could be anybody you want it to be. Right. If you watch the video. We have the video uh, on; it's online. So the video, if you were to look it up, you can kind of see what our interpretation was of the Dragon Eye Girl, and she's pretty awesome. Uh, and she so, yeah, is, check and, out the, and I like that rooftop you're playing on too, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we uh, we got we uh, we're lucky. We got like a couple hours on a rooftop in downtown LA. We were looking right at the city; it was blazing hot. It was a great, um, great video, just because of the whole you know the atmosphere was amazing. Yes, yeah, so we we did most of the album in, in LA. Um, we recorded, um, there's a guy named Doug Messenger out there. He's got a studio. He's got an old analog kind of studio. So he hooked us up, got us in there. We did all the basic tracks over there. And then we came back to my studio, uh, in LA and we finished all, all the overdubs and the vocals and everything and mixed it all over there. Great. What do you have at your house, man? Uh, I'm running like a, just a really, like a Pro Tools, uh, Pro Tools, I guess Pro Tools Ultimate. Is that what we're all on now? Yeah, right. Um, a Pro Tools Ultimate Rig. It has. Uh, I got a great. Um, I have a, like an SSL uh, Sigma, which is my IOs that gets me out. Nice. Gets me some head, 
get some headroom. It kind of like emulates what a console would kind of give you a little bit more headroom. It gives you a little bit more reverb trails, a little bit more delay trails, a little bit more uh, just getting out of the box a little bit out of the, out of the computer box. It kind of enhances it a bit. So I have that going. I have like an NTI external uh, for uh, my Master Bus uh, EQ and uh, Master Bus compressor. I have an Obsidian, that's called. It's kind of like an SSL compressor. So between all those things and then stuff in the box, you can kind of get some good results out of that thing. Wow. So, JJ, what was, uh, what was the beginning of your journey as a guitar player, or what inspired you to to want to play music, or did you have a musical family? or? Yeah, what inspired me was opening the uh, album cover of Kiss Alive 2. <laughs> there you go, man. Dude, when I when I saw that, I think I was twelve, maybe I don't know how old I was, but I I saw that, and I'm like, uh oh, that's like, well, I want to, I want to do that. I just instantly knew that, and and I went. I remember the first time I went, there was a, gosh, man, maybe you remember there was a, a Peaches, <laughs> there was a music store in a, like a little shopping area by a Peaches record store back in the day. I can't remember the name, but I remember going in there, and it was a little PV decade amp. It was a little ten watt amp, a little tiny speaker, and I had like a harmony. Les Paul copy kind of thing that they had to store. And I'll never forget the very first time you plug in the guitar into the amp and you turn the distortion on just a little bit and you go, and you hit an E chord. And man, that, yeah, that was that's it. it. That's it, baby. <laughs> that's all it took, Mike. Yeah, was, I got to it. see Kiss at Winterland. We, we saw him on Don Kirshner's rock concert at two in the morning one night. And, and, and then we saw him at Winterland at a Tuesday night show for six bucks. And it was like, wow, we showed up and they did their whole show. It was pretty cool, man. Beautiful. Yeah, my, my dad took me um, 77 and 78 and 80. So I got to see three shows at a really young age um, and get get out there. The last one I guess, yeah, Dynasty was in 80. So that was the last one I saw. But then we saw him in L.A. probably like. So uh, that was it. Just, Once you saw Kiss, you were like, I'm getting a guitar and I'm doing. This. Yeah. Where did you but get was, your first guitar from? Yeah, there was that, that. I'm trying to remember the name of that music store right there. You know, that's, uh, yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, it was like it was right where that. It was right in um, was Brooklyn, um, right off of uh, Brook Park or over there. It was West like, Park? Uh, yeah, West Park. Yeah, yeah, it was over one of those areas. But yeah, I got a Harmony. It was a it was a West Paul copy. A copy wow, that was my first guitar too. A Harmony, man. Right. A Harmony then, Rocket. Uh, PB, yeah, PV Decade. That was my first amp, and wow. uh, that started everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're very talented, man. JJ, I'm just like researching your stuff and playing your stuff. And, and, and then now we're on the same label. That's like, that's like very crazy. So what was the first band you were in? Was that in Cleveland here? Yeah, first band I was in, um, it was, uh, I had a, a good friend of mine, Dan Simmons, who I grew up with, basically went to high school with. We were like drummer, guitar player duo. We were, we Where'd you go to high school? Uh, I went to high school at Normandy High. Wow, I go by there all the time, man. <laughs> yeah, Parma, and um, and and our first, the first band that we had put together was a band called uh, Final Notice. Final Notice. That's yeah. a good name. That's a good name. It was. It had nothing to do with me getting Final Notices in the mail. It just kind of sounded cool. But were you guys um, playing covers or doing originals? Yeah, we were we were doing covers and we had some originals as well. And you know, the the craziest memory I have of that band is at the old Brooklyn Tavern in you know, old Brooklyn back in the day. 
um, Poison was on their very, very first tour um, when they very first came out. Their first first album, you know, they hadn't even broke or anything yet. And I remember we opened up for Poison when I was like 16 wow, years old. that must people. have been nuts. <laughs> At the old Brooklyn Tavern. I'll never forget those dudes. It was like a tiny stage. And then they were all like, you know, big hair, big outfits and, <laughs> and the thing. And then I, I remember them on that little stage and they were kind of doing their choreographed moves. Aren't they like, from Pennsylvania? Aren't they from Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's from, I think uh, Brett is from like, yeah, Parisburg maybe or somewhere yeah, around there. Somewhere, um, yeah, right. Yeah, no. So I remember Brett after the show, he came out and he was like, talking to everybody shaking everybody's hand i remember how personable he was and that was like such a man that just was so inspirational <laughs> you know to see that you know not even knowing who poison was so uh how long did you live in cleveland before you were uh inspired to uh like so many of us go out to california and uh did your family move out there or did you just migrate you know migrate to la I, uh, you know that's a good question i I, I used to go over to the Akron Agora all the time. I used to have a fake ID, and I used to get in there all the time. I used to watch Dave Brooks, our singer from Southern Glass. He used to play. Great guy, Gotham great City. singer, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. there's a band called Gotham City, so I used to watch those guys all the time. They used to be so great. And I used to get like just watch them, and I, I saw the Cleveland scene, and I'm like, you know, at like 16 years old in my mind, I kind of – I said – I don't know if I'm going to be able to do what I want to do here, you know, because right. um, I just, just, just felt that strongly. So basically the story is I, I applied for um, Berkeley School of Music in Boston um, right around, you know, 17, eight, when I was getting ready to graduate and so forth. And the story goes is uh, I got rejected from Berkeley because no uh, my grade point average and uh, I was late to apply and I wasn't a local Boston guys so whatever for whatever reason i remember reading the letter from i got it my mom gave it to me i read it and i looked at her and instantly like within two seconds of me reading the letter i looked at her and go i'm going to california <laughs> it was like that's boom. it, it was like so I, so I was pretty determined man i had my mind made up that i was going to do something musically um and i didn't know where but california was my destination by by default and um yeah that's how i ended up out there so i moved out when i was 18 i went to um I got into uh, one year of the Musicians Institute out there. I went to GIT and got my kind of got got my feet kind of wet over there, playing on myself. Got got a chance to get some experience over there, and um, yeah, halfway through the year, I was in a band and playing at the Troubadour. So it was a quick a quick thing for me. I was wow, on, I was that's safe. great. Now this is Mike Onesco. You're listening to Mike Onesco's Renegade Rock here on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network. We're talking to great guitar singer J.J. Ferris. We're going to take a little break and play a tune from one of the bands that he's actually toured with and played around with, the Nelsons. This is called Love and Affection. We'll be right back with J.J. Ferris. <laughs> Let me into your heart, oh, it's not 
Welcome back to Renegade Rock. Hey, we're, we just heard love and affection from the Nelsons. Tell us how you ended up meeting the Nelsons, man. <laughs> oh, man. Ricky Nelson uh, was my idol when I was a kid, man. Yeah, he, you know, he was the idol. So as I've, as I've learned more about Ricky and the family, I, I have to say he's such an idol to so many people. I wanted to be Ricky Nelson so bad, man. Wow. You know, that's it's cool, man, to hear that. Um, uh, I met them. Let's see. Jeez, we, I was in a band called the Tories in L.A., and um, the very first time I met the Nelsons was uh, we were playing at a, a place called Billboard Live, which was basically the old, it was Gazzari's back in the day, but they called it Billboard Live when, when they kind of transformed a couple of names. We were, Tories were playing there, and Nelson was also playing there, and um, I guess Matt, Matt Nelson had seen me play or seen the band play because we really didn't meet them because they were they were doing their thing in their dressing room and I know they were on the bill and um, after the Tories had kind of disbanded I started playing acoustic sets on my own. Um, That's hard to do, man. Called. That's you're brave, <laughs> dude. It was, let me tell you just quick. It was the most daunting thing that I'd ever done because I you know I'm not necessarily a singer per se. I was more the guitar player in the band, so to get out there and do that was daunting. <laughs> um, but it was the best thing that I ever did. So I was out there um, playing, you know, acoustic by myself just to get out and keep it going and kind of grow. And um, and after the show was over, I get a I was approached by this guy with a hat on didn't recognize him and he's with this really hot girl and and he goes hey he goes great show he goes you might you might know how i am he hands me his card and it says matthew nelson i'm like dude <laughs> and, and, and so he he kind of came out i guess he had seen did he have the real like, long oh, hair yeah 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 he had the hair going it was in a hat though so i really didn't know you know um and uh and so that was how we met he approached me uh at my gig we we kind of exchanged numbers and uh within two weeks after that we had a pretty much a full set of music written we we went quick man it was wow. like wow yeah we got together and it was like instantaneous how we that's fun isn't it yeah we just kind of just it was not a lot of thinking just a lot of feel a lot of vibe and just came out and um lyrics were flowing riffs were going and everything was just right you know everything was right for all the right reasons and we did that and we were we were playing shows probably like a month into meeting each other there and um the rest is history we made an album together we went to um sound city the infamous sound city uh, wow you know, i wish of, i could yeah. have went there Jeez, what a place uh, we record we recorded the whole thing with an engineer by the name of jim wirt um was done a lot of stuff with no doubt and incubus and a lot of cool la bands oh yeah uh, he, he came out um to produce us and we did the whole album in five days it was all just stream of consciousness there was no overdubs um well we overdubbed an acoustic and maybe one or two souls but other than that it was literally like basic tracks for day one maybe day two and then we sat there when matt and i we were between the door i'll never forget this we were i was singing live uh, and he was like within a glass door and we looked at each other we couldn't you know obviously there's no bleed so we were able to do it we just did the whole thing like just like it was live and that album is still to this day like one of our favorite things that we had ever done together because of the vibe that we created and what we captured in those five days wow i'm gonna have to delve into that and start playing it more on the show um that is so killer, man. I mean, didn't you just tour with them too, just recently, right? 
Yeah, so that's how I originally met Matt. And uh, back back then, um, you know, Gunner, I met a couple times here and there, but I never really knew him as a as a person. Really, it was just like when he came in town, or he had come to a couple of the Red Thirty Seven shows and so forth. So, I guess uh, I got a call in 2018. Um, Nelson had a, a festival in uh, Nottingham, England, and um, they had asked me if I wanted to, to play these couple shows. They had Nottingham, England, and then they had the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. Wow. So I was able to um, learn the songs back then, and I did those two shows. Um, so, yeah, we went to Nottingham. We had mined uh, one of the nights over there. It was great. And then we played the uh, the famous uh, Ryman Auditorium together. And uh, it was the, the Ryman Auditorium was absolutely um, one of the most memorable gigs I've ever had because – as the story goes, and what I learned when I was on stage is that um, when Ozzy and Harriet, um, Ozzy used to connect the big band, and they used to play at the Ryman back in the day with the big band and yes. so forth. And, and they and they had three standing ovations apparently. And then Ricky, the infamous story after the uh, Madison Square Garden, he got booed off the stage, came back to Nashville, and he played the Ryman, and he you know wrote Garden Party, and that whole song was done that that. He got three standing ovations when he played the Ryman. So here we are. The, the Nelson brothers have never played the Ryman. I was on stage with them. We had played, um, uh, I forget what song it was. We got our first standing ovation. And then we had our second standing ovation. And then we played Garden Party together. And then we got our third standing ovation together. And I, wow, I was on stage. man. That's and giving I, me the hairs are standing up on my arms, man. That's a good yeah, story. Yeah, exactly. Man. I was on stage and every hair on my arm was standing up. And I was the most surreal thing to be part of, not knowing that I was even going. It was just one of those things. And then it just kind of happened. So we, we did those couple shows then. And we kind of bonded. And, and Gunner was so happy. The, both of them were so happy. The way that we sounded he said it was the best that nelson had ever sounded for so many years so they got the bug going again so this last august uh, we had an opportunity we did about 12 dates we were playing with um tesla and winger and wow and, uh, great white and um, a bunch of the whole uh, 80s catalog there man yeah so we did some cool little um like you know three band bills some of them were headlining and some we played here at the goodyear theater in, in akron and and we did some great shows so we um we got a chance i got a chance to play more shows on uh 24 2024 it looks like we're going to be kind of busy from uh, the feedback we got from from the shows we did well good for you man that's very exciting man that's i mean so were you involved in like the LA studio scene? Did you get hooked into that thing for a while? Were you playing sessions on commercials or movie yeah, stuff? Um, yeah, I did. I did get involved with that. Like, gosh, it was like maybe at least 20 years ago to say when we did the Red 37 album with Matt, when I did that album together, we had a song. The first song was called Crawl My Way Out. And uh, it was like a ballroom blitz kind of vibe, real like... To real kind of, you know, shuffly kind of train beat kind of going, and uh, right that song that song picked up the ear of one of uh, Trail Redder, uh, who's now my one of my best buddies. Uh, he loved that song and he cut it into a trailer. I think it was for like I can't remember the movie, maybe Ice Age or something like that. And it kind of started me into the trailer world, like getting music. Wow, and I came. wish I could get hooked he, into that scene, man. What a cool <laughs> scene. Yeah, so he, he got me hooked up into the trailer world from that song. And it Where kind you of get money, right? You actually get royalties. 
Yeah, so what's happened now is like over the over the years of doing that, I spent um, a lot of years doing music, like creating, um, like a lot of times they want like a knockoff of like a Green Day song or a knockoff of like a sure, song, right. or you know, because they can't afford to pay the big money, so they want someone to knock it off, or they want something that feels like it, or they might just want a, an original track that has nothing to do with anything famous, just something that feels like piano piece, or it could be anything, it could be a sound effect. Um, it's funny because lately I've been been involved with sound effects for some reason. That's all I. That's what I do in LA. I create sound effects. <laughs> wow, what, what a pretty cool job, man! Yeah, sound design and sound effects. I have a, I have a, a, a business partner in Nashville, and um, together. Did you ever run into them. Jeff Trot? Um, I don't know Jeff Trot. No, we had him. He was our interview two uh, months ago, and he was writing tunes with uh, all those. Big tunes for Cheryl Crow, and he lives in Nashville. Oh, wow. He's in Nashville now, but he was in, in L.A. for the longest time. Wow, yeah, name sounds familiar. I don't, I don't, I've never met him, but that's that's awesome. I'll have to look him up, Mike. He was in Wire Train. Do you remember that band? Yeah, 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 for sure. So JJ, uh, so you were in L.A. You're playing with the Nelsons. I mean, you're living the life, man. You're living the you're the living the dream. Like, did you ever think all this would happen, all those years ago when you told your mom, "I'm going to California"? You know, you know, it's weird that you say that because my mom. Speaking of my mom in California and all that, Nelson, I have a really, really, really strong memory. Um, my mom used to tell me, you know, if you want to be somewhere, visualize yourself being there, and. And and at a young age, I kind of really took that to heart. She was very much into like you know the Chinese astrology and getting readings and all that stuff. And there was a lot of positive energy going with that. And she said, just visualize yourself being you know in that moment or on stage or on the video or whatever. So I used to literally go to concerts, and if it was Ozzy with Jakey Lee or something, I go I visualize myself on stage. Or if I saw Steve Vai on stage, I visualize myself there. So. I remember seeing the the Nelson video. I think it was after the rain or whatever video it was when they were real popular on MTV. And I literally, uh, Brett Garson, the guitar player, I would just, I go, that's me. I visualized myself being in this in that situation. So I kind of, I don't know how it happened. But, um, it kind of, I don't know if that's possible to kind of like transform yourself or like that. Of but course, I kind of, man. I do it all the time, man. Yeah, I'm doing I, uh, the same thing. I'm a kid from Cleveland. Uh, living my dream. I mean, it's just great. I don't really know how or what, but it's kind of, you just kind of put yourself in that moment. It was like, you put it out in the universe, and sometimes the universe comes back with to, to reward you sometimes. It's interesting. It's great. It was fun meeting you down at the gym machine party at that, that bar in the flats. So, JJ, we're running out of time. Let's. Uh, do you have any parting words of wisdom for any young up-and-coming guitarists that are trying to make it in the business? Yeah, man. All I can say is um, practice. Don't be don't be afraid to take chances. Don't be afraid to like get out there and play. And you know, I read an article um, when I was a kid that um, two hours of practicing in your room is equivalent to playing a show. So, in other words, if you play one show out in front of people, no matter if it's one person or a thousand people, it doesn't matter. That's equivalent to two weeks of practice on your own in your bedroom. So what I'm saying by that is get out and play. You know, if you have music, record it and put it out because you're going to find your fans. Whatever you do, people will find you if you're genuine yourself. Be genuine yourself and people will find you. 
KJ, those are very, very great words. I, I admire you for saying that, and I agree totally with you. And thank you so much for coming on Renegade Rock. I mean, just really cool to finally talk to you on the phone and and then find out more about you. And uh, we're label mates. It's pretty fun, man. I'm having a good time on Jib Machine Records. All right, Michael. We got we have to make sure in 24 that we do some kind of collaboration. We put it out on Jib. We got to get that going. Uh, I've already talked to John about that. We definitely have to do that. And I told John we got to come up with a Jim Machine Christmas record too, man. Man, that's that. Let's do that. Let's let's start planning now because we have to get that done by like July, August, and get some get some licenses and get some placements. All right. When when I when we're off the show here, I got a couple other more questions for you. So don't hang up. Once again, let's have a big thanks for JJ Ferris coming on Mike Onesco's Renegade Rock. We'll see you again, JJ. All right, Mike, thanks so much. We'll see you again.